0: Good morning. How is the 10 o'clock service doing? Good? Good. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, and I just want to welcome you to connect. uh, We're in a series that's called White Christmas. We're going to get into that in just a second. Let me uh, first just tell all the frequent flyers and family of something that's coming up the first of the year. First of all, at the end of the year, we have an online service, as you probably saw in the Connect News, I didn't watch it, but uh, there's a special announcement that I'm making now in there with a little more detail, but I hope you guys go and uh, watch that service. It is kind of a vision service, so I'm going to just kind of unpack the vision of Connect, kind of renew and review the vision as we see it here at the church, so it's a great service to experience at home, as well as the fact that it tees up what begins on January 4th through the 24th Is we're going on a 21-day season of prayer and fasting, not prayer and feasting, prayer and fasting. And so I just want to encourage you to join us. Instructions on what fasting is all about is online on our website, the different types of fast, all the different fasts that exists out there, as well as just how to guide you uh, in your prayer time we 're going to be passing out on January third the first service of the year, actually some prayer guides so we can actually instruct you on how to pray successfully during that time and season of prayer and fasting and then we 're having prayer uh, Monday through Friday, right here in the auditorium at six thirty a m for one hour, Monday through Friday, every day during that, that season of prayer. It'll culminate on January 24th at our SNL service. We'll have an all-kind-of-access worship night and break the fast together. How many of you have ever been a part of this experience, the 21 days of prayer or all-access worship? you Have been a part of that? Raise your hand. Good. high. have you done that? Good. So about a third to almost half. So just want to encourage that. It's going to strengthen your year. It's going to start the year outright. Um, Fasting is often seen as kind of uh, elite discipline when really it's an elementary discipline for Christians, and so we kind of want to reintroduce it on a regular basis, and we'll probably have two seasons of prayer and fasting as a church in order to stay healthy. It's an opportunity to really disconnect from the world and connect more to God. That's really what fasting and prayer really is. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, You can get your Bibles out, your worship guides out, your digital Bibles out, whatever you use. Uh, we're going to talk, today's topic is called Drop Your Defenses, Drop Your Defenses, and uh, we're continuing the series really on the subject of forgiveness um, and offenses, and I'm going to talk about that specifically today. Let me open up by just a quick story. I heard about a lady who owned a parrot. You don't hear that opening very often, and she owned a parrot that would talk to her, but the parrot never said anything good. The parrot was always being unkind and saying, you ugly, you know, your kids are ugly, your family's ugly, you're so mean, you're bad, you're not good at this, you're not good at that, and it would peck at the owner. So whenever the owner's carrying around, it would, it would peck and say all these terrible things in her ear. So one day, the owner got fed up, and as the owner is walking through the kitchen, this bird, this parrot is just going all out in in her ear saying all these mean things you ugly your mother's ugly your family's ugly so she takes the parrot and puts the parrot in the freezer and slams the door as the door slams you can still hear the parrot yelling and pecking at the door you ugly and your family's ugly and your mother's ugly and you were born ugly and it keeps on going keeps on going and all of a sudden it goes dead silent can't hear anything the owner's just kind of like enjoying the silence for a few seconds then after a little bit she begins to wonder, is the parrot okay? I wonder if the, is the parrot alive and what's going on in there? So she goes back just kind of fretting and worrying about this investment that she's made in this parrot. She opens the door and the parrot's there staring at her. And she pulls the parrot out, puts it on her arm. The parrot's dead silent. The door shuts. As soon as the door shuts, the parrot looks back to make sure the door is shut. And the parrot says, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll never talk like that to you again. Please forgive me. I know I haven't been very polite and I'm going to be a very obedient Obedient parrot, okay. And the owner says, "Okay, thank you, thank you." So then the parrot says, "But can I ask you a question?" And the parrot looks back at the freezer door and says, "Can you tell me about what happened to the chicken?" <laughs> I love that one. Oh, that's awesome. It'll kind of <laughs> just let it marinate. <coughs> We're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about offenses, things people say to us that hurt us today. And in week one, um, and even after the services, all three of them, I realized that people are like, they're like the, we, we have the show, The Walking Dead, but really there's the walking wounded. The church, you see a lot of wounded people, a lot of hurt people. In the last service, at the end of the service, I could, I could feel the wounds as we began to minister and pray for everybody. And people are hurt. People have been hurt They're carrying pains, they're carrying offenses, they're carrying issues. And so this, I'm just saying right out of the gate, I said this at the beginning of the series, this is a 100% all play. This hits everyone. And every season, every Christmas season, I try to do what's called a felt needs series, meaning we want to touch uh, uh, on topics that relate to what's really going on in our Monday through Saturday world, not just our Sunday religious world. Can I have an amen? And so this is kind of like group counseling. That's what we're doing right now, and I'm in it too, okay? So I'm going to offer you some advice that I need for myself. I'm going to give you some things that you need, that I need. This is kind of open uh, group counseling, and I believe it will help you. Last week, we opened up and we talked about what forgiveness is, but to understand what forgiveness is, we had to first understand what forgiveness is not. Then in other words, our destination is sometimes a result of our definitions, if we have the wrong definitions, we'll end up at the wrong destinations. We'll have the wrong outcomes. If we have the right definitions, we can have better outcomes. Is everybody tracking with me? And so we had to understand what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not, for example, reconciliation. doesn't mean you go right back into the toxic, difficult, abusive things. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense and pretending it didn't happen. It didn't hurt. It did. In fact, Jesus identifies with that. Forgiveness, you know, is not a lot of things. Forgiveness is not forgetting. That was a big one, you know. And so you have to understand what it isn't before you can understand what it is. But then to move forward, there's the scripture in Isaiah chapter 1. Let's look at it together. Isaiah 1 is kind of our theme text for this mini-series over Christmas. God offers us uh, and makes an appeal to us and basically says, I know what you're going through, but I have something for you. He says, come now, let's settle this. In other words, let's not go another day, let's not go another year, please let's not go another Christmas with this stuff in your heart, these conditions in your heart. Let's deal with it. And so then he gives you a picture of what it might look like. So he says, come, let's settle this, says the Lord, though your sins are what? They are like scarlet. Okay, so now just back up before we get to Scarlet, let's talk about sins. Sins are not always the things you do. They're the things that can also be done to you. This word sins is interchangeable with another word known as transgressions. A transgression, forgive us our transgressors as we forgive our transgressors. Or the trespasses as we forgive our, those that trespass against us. We forgive those who have hurt us It's just like we've hurt other people. This is an interchangeable, when we talk about sins, it can be what we did, uh, what others did to us. Is everybody tracking with me? And so we all know this. Lines have been crossed. So he says, uh, though your sins are like scarlet, they're, you're, you're, in essence you're bleeding, it's visible, You're hurt, you're not pure, clean, white anymore, you've lost something, maybe it's innocence, maybe it's peace, maybe it's some circumstantial thing, maybe it's joy, whatever it is, Um, here's what God's offering you, and I have the ability, he's saying, to help you. I will make them, those scarlet things, white as snow. White not being a circumstantial white, like snow outside on the lawn, but a white, Christmas or white as snow is talking about the condition of your heart that's what God wants the thing he's always preoccupied with is not outward appearances but the heart he's always looking at the condition of our hearts we'll talk about this on the online service you'll see more about this in church at home I will make them white as snow, though they are red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. And then he unpacks this other thing that we talked about last week a lot. And this is a thing that really hit me hard. He says, All of this is possible. I'll do this for you. White as snow, white as wool. If only you will what? Obey me. There's a big one. Basically, about three-quarters of the message was about that last week. How many were here last week for that message? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Good. Must, a must understand forgiveness as we go forward. And so then uh, God goes on to say, okay, here's what obedience looks like. I'm going to offer you some radical solutions. They might even seem like almost offensive. Like they're countercultural, they're counterintuitive. Uh, it's, not your, it's not your natural inclination, your default or anything like that. And he basically says, here's what I want you to do. This is what obedience looks like when those things happen to you. I want you to pray for them. I want you to bless them. Not like the southern bless, like bless your hearts. You know what that means in the south, right? You're an idiot, right? That's what it means. Bless his heart. His socks are on inside out. Bless his heart. Shoes are on backwards. Bless his heart. His breath stinks so bad. Like that's what... (laughs) That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Bless, okay? That means it's the words that come out of your mouth, referring to your words. And then do good to them. He takes it up a notch. So pray, bless, do good. These are counterintuitive, countercultural instructions that God gives us. So that's what last week was about. Today, though, I'm going to give you one simple thought to understand and comprehend, one difficult thought to apply, but it is transformation. Literally transformational, okay, and it'll be supported by these subpoints of advice, but it can literally change your life, and it all comes back to this, like, one practice, this one truth that if you can accept this, it can change, it can change everything. Let me state the obvious, though. Uh, we all get offended, don't we? Like, you probably could refer to a serious, significant offense in this calendar year maybe even this week, maybe on your way to church, all right, where someone or something offended you, the Bible tells us this will happen. It says offenses will come. Look in your notes in Matthew 24. This is the New King James. It says, and then many uh, will be offended, Many, that means majority, that means more than half, okay? Many will be offended, will betray one another, even hate one another. That word offended in the original language, so we're reading in English, but there's an original language that this was translated from in the Greek. That word offended is the Greek word scandalon, where we get the word scandal, scandal. So scandalon is ultimately means offended, but if you, the deeper interpretation of that word is it's somebody who falls into a trap, entrapment by, what? Uh, debate, argument, receiving something uh, in conversation. It's usually something that happens, the entrapment is from the inside, is what the Greek is really telling us, from the inside out, not from the outside in. We're trapped, we're coming to an entrapment inside of you. And Jesus is saying, this, these offenses will come scandal is going to come even more and more as, as we near the end. The end of what? The return of Christ. The end of it all. Luke 17.1 it says this Jesus said to his disciples it's impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. What does that mean? In other words don't spend your time saying why is he like that? Why did she do that? How come I feel so bad I did that? Offenses are going to come? That's what Jesus is saying. It's impossible to stop them. Don't spend your time trying to stop the offenses. Spend your time learning how to react and respond to the offenses is what Jesus is telling us. Are you tracking with me? It's impossible to stop them. And so he's trying to prepare you and me for the reality that we have to deal with them. All of God's children have to deal with them. Amen? So don't. So so this is critical to the rest of it. Don't try to avoid them. That's like trying to avoid the rain when it's raining. You know what I mean? It's going to be hard, okay? Don't try to avoid them, but instead prepare and learn how to deal with them. So what most people do instead of that is what we see in this next text from Proverbs chapter 18. Look at this. Look at this. Everybody's quiet. I'm assuming they're paying attention. Verse 19 says, an offended brother, or it could say sister, your brethren, your sister, okay. An offended brother is more, what? Unyielding. Come on, say it. More. Unyielding. Come on, yield. More. Unyielding. I don't want to say that. That's your problem. <laughs> it's more unyielding. In other words, you are closed. You are not open. You're more unyielding, it says, uh, than a fortified city. So here's what an unyielding spirit is. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. That's actually a worldly paradigm to protect ourselves. An unyielding person puts a fortified kind of a city around themselves. That term there, back when this was written in the original language, is basically saying it was known that to protect yourself, you would put walls around a city great big walls. To keep all the bad, all the harm, all the enemies out, right? That's why it uses this term, fortified city. Here's the problem with walls. They're not discretionary. So if you keep the bad out, you also keep the good out in the process. And so you're either a walled person or you're not, You're either an open person or you're not. You're either walled or you're not, yielding or unyielding. This creates problems in us loving God, receiving love from God, loving people, receiving love from people. It affects our relationship. It says, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. It's just giving another illustration that we can unpack as well. So offended people are unyielding. They're more unyielding than a fortified city. Here's the transition that I want to give you. So here's the thought. What do offenses look like for us to be able to, again, release them? I think we might need to unpack them a little bit. So let me rehearse some offenses that might relate to you. Uh, They certainly relate to me. Wouldn't you agree that when you're offended, you feel, number one, betrayed? Betrayed. Has anybody ever experienced betrayal before? Yes. Okay. I, I've been betrayed before. I know what it's like to hurt real bad. I know what it's like to have, you probably do too, your heart, like it just got, like you felt like maybe it's, it's the worst kind of pain. Your heart's going to just burst. You just don't know the agony of, of betrayal. It could be your daddy left you and your family when you needed them most, just took off. That's a hurt and a pain. Your spouse cheated on you. And and betrayed you, broke your heart, crushed your heart. Uh, maybe you received, a, 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 you thought you were going to get a job promotion, only to come in and you got let go. Like betrayed. These things are powerfully offensive to people. Here's another one: falsely accused. This might be the one on the list I hate the most. I hate to be misunderstood. I, I can't. I just. I'm just telling you. I struggle with this big time. It's in the position I'm in, uh, when people don't know my heart, they don't know my intentions, they don't, they don't know my life, and then they judge it or talk about it or accuse it or misinterpret motives and things like that, uh, off base, inaccurate. Even if it's this much, I just, ugh, I don't do well with it. I, I just being transparent, it tears me up, okay? Falsely accused, you know what that's like. Rejected, here's another one. Have you ever been rejected? This is when people, people give you the Heisman. People shun you. Uh, a lot of times people, when they need people the most in crisis, people aren't there the most. They're there the least. When you need somebody to believe in you, and that's all you need them to do, sometimes they're not there and they don't believe in you, that, that, that rejection is powerful. It hurts. Uh, there's, there's, there's been people in your lives that have rejected you, a critical, defining moments, and it's, it's, it's been like a tattoo. It's been a painful thing, and if we're not careful, it defines us. I even know in, in the profession I'm in, in ministry, I know that there are a lot of statistics that say that people in the church that are no longer in the church are not in the church because they were rejected by spiritual leaders, specifically pastors. People that they've held in high regard hurt them bad. And, and it's very common. Sometimes it's because of the expectations we have of people. When, in other words, when you hold somebody in, in a high position, you have a, therefore you have a high expectation of them. And when that, when that is not met, then it hurts really, really bad. But then, and then sometimes what happens is it makes it even worse because we contrast that expectation with the world. And so people will say, you know, this person hurt me so bad. This pastor, this leader, this Christian hurt me so bad. You know, it, the world's even better than that. And that contrast sometimes creates an even greater problem. When you think about that, sometimes, um, let me say it this way. I don't expect much from the world because it's the world. So sometimes that contrast creates even better, even bigger, I should say, pain for us. My theory is that your potential for rejection is higher whenever the expectations are too high. This is relevant because sometimes we don't have a clear picture or contrast of it. Uh, Another thing that can create problems for us is abuse. Abuse. This is a big one for a lot of people. A lot of people in this room. People who've been uh, the different types. There's, uh, you know, there's obviously sexual abuse. I have a friend who was sexually abused as a young man. And um, it changed his whole life. Literally, his relationship still struggle to this day. Um, There's been just a wake of problems behind him. Very few relationships have worked, if any. By God's grace, it will work with his own kids, but it's been bad. It's, been, it's adversely affected his whole life. Some people have been uh, physically abused. Some people have been emotionally abused, not to minimize that at all. Sometimes some people are mostly emotionally abused and they feel trapped in the situation in which they're in. They're unable to adequately express their true feelings for, feel, for fear of, excuse me, reprisal. It's an, it's an entrapment. It's an emotional type of abuse. It hurts. There's all kinds we could talk about. Here's another one. Humiliated. People who are humiliated. Uh, all I can do is offer just some definitions or some thoughts about these things, but I've known this one in a measure. I can think of two occasions when I was humiliated growing up, and, um, and I could just I could recall these vivid memories, and, and, I, and I'm not going to recall them here, but I, I can just tell you, they, they, they hit really hard. They were, they were impactful, defining situations in many instances. And it, and it brings emotion with it, if, if dwelled upon for any length of time. I'm telling you these things because this, this list is not random. It's, it's a very real uh, sequence that our Savior went through for us. Precisely the same list and the same sequence, the same Order Jesus, the one that we worship at Christmas time, uh, uh, later on a Thursday night and on a Friday before he died, went through this exact sequence precisely. In fact, if I recap that, Jesus was betrayed. He was betrayed by one of his very own. The people that hurt us most are the ones that are closest to us, and he be- he was betrayed by one of his very own disciples. And this disciple handed him over to be crucified. And then ultimately, he was falsely accused, and they brought up Trump charges, you know, uh, and accusations were hurled at him, things that he never said and that he never did. And then he went through a horrible rejection. What kind of rejection? The worst kind, relational rejection. Everybody he poured his life into, everybody he invested in, every one of them fled Nobody to stand behind him in his worst and darkest days. Even one that boasted that he'd always be with him couldn't even stand up to a small child, a girl, as a man. They all fled. Terrible rejection. And then ultimately he was abused physically. The worst kind in human history. Jesus came back to earth, ironically, when physical uh, death was the worst kind possible, crucifixion. And he was scourged, uh, uh, horribly whipped. He was pierced. He was put a crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hands and in his feet. We know the story, but it might be important for you to just imagine for a moment the abuse that he went through that I venture to say none of us will ever come close to in our lives. And then he hung in public view. And most historians believe that he hung on that cross naked humiliated, humiliated. I don't think any one of us would want to be naked in front of anybody, let alone hanging there in agony. The Bible says that all of that had to happen because it was going to happen to you. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. It says this, reading from the paraphrase, that's why, all of that, he had to enter into every detail of human life, every detail of human life, then when he became then he, then when he came before God as a what's it say high priest everybody say high priest let me explain this to you for a second a high priest is a big Christian religious word, but it basically means that he was a mediator. He was a go-between. First Timothy 2.5 says Jesus, basically this, God gave Jesus a new role. You're not going to be here with me in heavenly realms. You're going to go down to earth, and I'm giving you a new role. You're going to relinquish temporarily all your supreme powers, your divine privileges, your, your robe and title. You're going to put that aside. You're going to go down there. I'm giving you a new role as a high priest. You're going to be this go-between man and me, and you're going to go down there, and you're going to bridge the gap. One place it says he is our advocate, our attorney, our, our defense attorney, our lawyer. Another place it says he is our propitiation, our substitute. He played a significant role in the reconciliation of man back to God. And another place it says he's our intercessor. Everybody say intercessor. Now intercessor, look at me, intercessor is about not so much prayer, sometimes people miss this, intercede, when you intercede for someone here in this world today, you basically vicariously take on the weight and responsibility of what somebody else is going through and you present that to God with a burden and with a passion for them. That's what intercession is. Jesus didn't go through that vicariously, he went through that literally, so what he does as a high priest is he intercedes between you and God. He says, God, come here. You see that, what, 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 what Rod's going through? I've been through that. You see that, what he's going through, what she's going through? It hurts real bad. Dad. It feels like I felt that. I felt that. Dad, Dad, I want you to see this. I want you to connect to this. That's what Jesus is doing as your high priest. He intercedes for you. Does everybody track with me? This is so important. This is, this is really good preaching, even if the 10 o'clock's not enjoying it that much. I just want you to know that. Okay, so he goes on, and basically, he under, here's the point. He understands, is what I'm trying to tell you. He understands what you're going through. He's saying, I've been there, I've done that, I bought the t-shirt, I, I feel what you're feeling, okay? Because he's, he's already, this is what it says later, it says... To get rid of all the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and therefore would be able to help where help was needed. So that's why he did it. He's... He qualifies, he, is, he qualifies to help you, and he has the authority in the subject of offense because he experienced all that you would ever experience in this area. He's an authority on it. He's experienced in it. He went through it himself. Are you tracking with me out there? And so do you agree with that? Yes or no? Okay. So he can help us, right? So so now I'm going to give you some of the help, basically. So when you talk to God, you need to understand there's nothing that you're going through personally that he hasn't gone through according to his word and what we can see here. In Hebrews 4.15, it's not in your notes, it says he was tested in all points. That doesn't mean some. That means all points, just as we are. But he never crossed the line. So when you come to him, he doesn't be like, what's your problem? Just get over it. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. No, he intercedes for you. He's he's trying to bridge your pain to God's healing power because he went through it and overcame it. He felt your pain and he knows God's power and he intercedes for you. Man, that makes me feel good thinking about that. So what does this have to do with how we respond to offense? I want to give you a divine secret. This stems from two portions of Scripture. They pack on one another. The first one is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Century Version because I liked one particular word and how it popped at me when I was studying this. This is what it says. This is a secret to overcoming offenses that we all have that will continue to come. It's impossible that they won't come. What do we do about them? He says this. Since Christ's suffered, parenthetically, big time. Since Christ suffered more than any of us would or will ever while he was in his body here on earth, he says, strengthen yourselves. Strengthen yourselves. How? How do I overcome the suffering of these offenses? What do I do about them? He says, with the same way of thinking Christ had. Or it says in another translation, arm yourselves with the same attitude Christ had, okay? So in other words, Jesus did something in the middle of the offense, in the middle of the difficulty to try to overcome it. He dropped his defense as, so that he could be healed of his um, offense. Oh, that's good. That's tweetable right there. Did you catch that? He dropped his defenses so that he could be healed of his offenses. Man, I'm going to write a book on just that. So the divine secret is this, isn't that it is, isn't that it happened. It's that when it happened, this is what he did. He made a choice. He made a choice. Here's how he responded. Listen, listen to the context. Here's how Jesus responded while he hung there, humiliated. While he hung there, betrayed. While he hung there, falsely accused. While he hung there, abused. All these things that you face. In the middle of that, this is what he did. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said this. Father, forgive them, this is so huge, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I'm thinking when I read this, yeah, they did. Um, the hammer was in their hand when they nailed it to your hands, Jesus. The hammer was in their hand when they nailed it to your feet, Jesus. I'm pretty sure they knew what they do when they're putting the crown of thorns on your head. They knew exactly what you're doing. But Jesus made a choice to see them differently. I'm just going to let Selah ponder these things. Here's the truth. The offenses will come, and they will continue to come. You'll be betrayed, falsely accused, rejected, abused, humiliated, etc. It's in these moments that we're encouraged from Scripture and by Jesus' example, in the middle of it, to make a choice and to have the same attitude that Jesus did, to arm yourselves, to strengthen yourselves with what he did in that moment. The way he was thinking is not what sometimes we are doing. The way he was thinking is he made a choice to believe that they didn't know what they were doing, even though perhaps they did. Mm-mm-mm. PD, I can't do that. I can't make that. You do that all the time. No, I don't. Let me give you an example. My mom and dad, when we were growing up, my parents have been, this end of this month, December 31st, we'll be married 50 years. 50. Five-oh. But it wasn't always cake and cupcakes, okay? You know what I'm saying? So there was a lot of fighting when I was growing up. When I was young, there was a lot of fighting. I can remember my mom and dad having... You know, discussions in the house, right? And dad's going, and then mom's going, and dad's going, and we're just, you know, in the middle of just watching all this as, as kids. And I, 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 I was affected more by it than my sister because she was younger. And, they, and the phone would ring. And my mom would walk into the kitchen. Hello, Fry Residents, can I help you? And I'd be like, what was that? That's when I believed in demons. That's when I believed. You could be possessed. (laughs) What was that though? She made a choice. She made a choice. You can be driving to this mall madness like many of you did yesterday. God love you. I love Amazon.com. But you drive into that, and people are fired up and angry, and there's all kinds of. Rah, and I hear all this conversation, you know, and this jerk cut me off, and this jerk and this idiot, and rah, rah, you know, and all kind of stuff. Well, you can make a choice right there. Perhaps, just maybe, just maybe, it's not. Maybe they're not a jerk or they're an idiot. Maybe the reason they're trying to get around you so fast and you're in their way is because they got a phone call and their kid is on the way to the hospital in an ambulance and they're really sick something serious happened. Maybe something bad already happened. Maybe, maybe, and some of you are in those situations all the time and you're seeing people give you these holiday greetings and you're making these choices to say they're a jerk or they're an idiot or whatever. There could be a remote possibility that something else is going on there. Chances are that's not the case. Okay, that might be very, very unlikely, but there is that remote possibility that something tragic or something sad or something unfortunate has happened. Even if that person was or is a jerk, it does your heart no good to think that way. And that's why God offers you a new way of thinking. Oh, man. Here's a prayer that I had in my notes, a different kind of prayer that I read online. Listen to this. It said, Heavenly Father, help us remember that the jerk who cuts us off in traffic last night could be a single mother who worked nine hours that day and was rushing home to cook dinner. Help with homework, do the laundry, and spend a few precious moments with her children. Help us remember that the pierced, tattooed, disinterested young man who can't make change correctly could be a worried 19-year-old college student balancing his apprehension over final exams with his fear of not getting his student loans for next semester. Remind me, Lord, that The scary-looking bum begging for money in the same spot every day who really ought to get a job could be a slave to addictions that we can only imagine in our worst nightmares. Help us to remember that the old couple walking annoyingly slow through the store aisles and blocking our shopping progress are savoring this moment knowing that, based on the biopsy report she got back last week, this will be the last year that they can go shopping together ever again. Heavenly Father, remind us, this day, all of the gifts you give us, the greatest gift is love. It's not enough to share that love with those we hold dear. It is enough. Open our hearts, not just to those who are close to us, but to all humanity. God, help us to see people the way you do, not as a problem to avoid, but a person to be loved. Amen. So to have this white Christmas, we're going to have to do something we don't necessarily feel like doing. I submit to you, Jesus didn't feel like doing what he did. When he did it, I, this, is the, this is another amazing thought that he gave me when I was discuss, discussing this with him in prayer, is while Jesus was making that decision, he didn't do it in his divinity, he did it in his humanity. He did it as a, as a man, not as God. He died as a man. You need to understand, so if you say, I can't do it, you can, because I just showed you how you could a little while ago with the decision of your will. If you say, well, God could do it, that's why it's easier for him, because he's God. No, he did it as a man. He did it in his humanity, he died for you. He did that for you and me. So in other words, you can arm yourself with that same way of thinking. You can say, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Even if they do know what they're doing, it's better for you, but they might not know what they're doing, which is a secret for you and for me and for them. Here's, so that's, that's the whole point. Let me give you three supportive points that help you accomplish that. Actually walk this out. Happy, help you make the choice to, to, to arm yourself with this attitude and forgive when those offenses come because they will come. Is everybody tracking with me? Number one, here's what you can do. you, you got to basically make a choice to see people through Jesus' eyes. How do you do that? Number one, remember you need forgiveness too. Remember that you, this helps you, okay? I'm not minimizing anything they did and nothing of this message cancels out last week's message. But remember, you're gonna need forgiveness. It's, it's, it's not I just have to go around giving people forgiveness. No, you, remember, you needed it too. You needed it too. Let me say it this way. You'll never have to give, forgive people more than God had to forgive you. You'll never have to forgive people more than God had to forgive you. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. And this might be hard for you. Maybe even offensive. But the hammer and the nails were in your hands. Putting Jesus there. In other words, your sin is why he hung on the cross. You were the offender. I was the offender first. Just pause. And he chose to forgive you. Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. You offended first, and he forgave you. Never forget how much forgiveness you've received. If you haven't received it, you will not be able to give it away. But God, in spite of you and me, offered us forgiveness for our offenses. Maybe we haven't received it, and we can today. You can. That's what's so awesome about God. But we have received the forgiveness. If we've received it, then we must give it Away. Look at the next scripture, Matthew 10.8 says, freely you have received, so freely give. When I remember that, when I remember that he's given that to me, it helps me forgive. See, this supports my ability to make the choice. Is everybody tracking with me? I still have to make the choice you know, out of what? Obedience, a better way, arming myself with a way of thinking that produces a better result. But what supports that is knowing that, that I've been forgiven so much. Here's the next thing, to have a white Christmas... Number two, refocus on the real enemy. Refocus on the real enemy. Jesus realized that the real enemy wasn't the people putting the nails in, their ha- in his hands. Jesus realized the real enemy wasn't the person who put the crown of thorns on his head or pierced his side. He realized who his real enemy was. In fact, those people he decided, listen, are victims too. Oh my gosh. They're victims too. In other words, Behind your story and your pain and the person now who's inflicting that pain on you, creating this story, there's a story behind them. There's a story behind them. And there's somebody who's attempting to author that story, that negative story, and that's the real enemy. That's the real enemy. Jesus chose to look at them like victims too. Instead of of hurt people, hurt people. That's why it's happening. The people that are doing those things to you are hurt themselves. They hurt themselves. Behind every person, every jerk, every idiot, every offender is a person that's something offensive done to them. This doesn't make what they did right. It just helps you to know that. It helps you to know that. I had some problems in my relationship with my mom when I was growing up. Some bumps and some bruises. I had some pr- problems in my relationship with my dad growing up. And then, and, and they had problems with me too. Don't get me wrong. This is just my story, one side of it, Okay. How I got over them was when I saw they were a victim too. There was a story behind that. It changed the dynamic in my relationship when I came to that revelation, not just that realization. And Jesus did that. He he determined that the real enemy wasn't people. We're called to love people and hate the devil. And he's plotting and scheming to destroy relationships. And it's a spiritual dynamic that's affecting a physical result. Ephesians 6.12 says this. For our struggle, our dark Christmas, is not against what? Flesh and what? Blood. In other words, it's not people. It's not a person. First, it manifests. It ventilates sometimes through those people. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. This spiritual realm that you cannot see is very real and is working very hard to destroy your heart, to crush it. A wounded spirit who can bear. You know, But the Bible says, God says that he's near to the brokenhearted and those that are crushed in spirit. So he, he's trying to come near and the devil's trying to come here and break it all up and bust you all up. But Jesus chose not to see the person putting the nails in his hands as the problem, but to make the real problem our enemy. Can I have an amen? amen. Number three, here's the third support to the big decision, uh, receive God's love, receive God's love. Some people don't realize their biggest issue in forgiveness is forgiving themselves. We can't let ourselves off the hook. I actually struggle to understand and identify with this one, to be honest with you. Like I can't comprehend how a God would send his son. God, how how much how how much love the Father has lavished on us that he sent his only son? I wouldn't send my son for people. How much love is that? Then God came into the world, demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. I can't, he went out of his way to great lengths to love us and to show his love for us, and yet we have a hard time receiving that love. That's diabolical. That's diabolical. In spite of those great lengths, sometimes we can't receive love. We'll talk more about this on Christmas Eve. But if you're going to be a person who forgives and loves others, it's going to be a whole lot easier if you've actually received love in the first place. In other words, let me say this. This text in 1 John we're going to read in just a second. If you're going to be a person who forgives other people, you're going to have to receive forgiveness and love first. You're going to need that really bad. But look at 1 John. This is where it comes from. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because... Everybody say because. I think it's important to take the trivial out of love. I love you, love you, love you. Everybody just throwing love around. Like it's like likes, you know, hearts on Periscope, likes on social media. Love is a little bit deeper than that, okay? I love you because, all right? God showed his love. God, I love you Be. How do we love other people? This is what he's saying. We love because he first loved us. And there's a whole bunch that he showed and demonstrated that looks like. Let me say it like this, though. This is where the power comes in. Receiving God's love gives us the capacity to love other people. If you don't, the capacity, the, the muscle, the grace to be able to love other people who are difficult and porcupine and make mistakes, you have to experience the enormous, extravagant, grace-filled love of God. And as you do, you'll be able to love. If you don't, here's the contrast. Here's the contrast. But if anyone says, I love God, I love God, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. He's given us this command. Whoever loves God must, must also love his brother. So here, here's, here's, my, here's my challenge, my encouragement. Make this choice. It is a divine secret To decide in the middle, maybe even before, forgive before it happens. You make a decision, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Perhaps they don't. Even if they do, your heart's going to be healthy and whole and better off. You'll experience a white Christmas because you made that choice. But to support that choice, you need to apply these three principles to be able to do what God's called you to do so that you can overcome in these particular areas because you're going to need forgiveness yourself one day. You're going to have to remember that there are other people who are victims too and therefore the real enemy is the devil himself and you're going you're, you're gonna to want God's love in you so you can actually give that away. But if you've got a wall... And you're unyielding. You can't love people. And you really can't love God the way he intended. Amen? Why don't you stand your feet? I want to pray for you. I'm going to have the prayer team come down right now. And I'm going to encourage you. If you have children, you may want to go get them and come back at the at dismissal. But, if, but you might need prayer today in this area. Listen to me. Listen. Be still. As, be, as best you can. It's the most important part. Isaiah, Jesus. Want. Jesus is telling us through his word, let's settle this. Last week, there was a person who said something like this to me. She goes, it is, it is possible in a moment to receive forgiveness, to be changed. And that is the truth. One moment in the presence of God, you can be changed. One principle received in the presence of God, and your heart can be set free. It's, your, it's a choice. It's a choice. You have to make a choice. Don't go another Christmas with this stuff on your heart. So you might, you might want to come at the end of service and receive more prayer, but I'm going to pray for two groups of people. And I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to close your eyes, not to be more spiritual, but to look at your own heart. You close your eyes to see your own heart. What's going on in there? What's going on in there? The Bible says, search, search my heart, O oh God. Search my heart, O oh God. See if there be anything offensive in me. God, I just pray that you would go right down into the hearts of men and women, boys and girls that are in this room right now. And you would just go right in there with freedom and permission. Lord, I pray that the people in this room would drop the walls, the barred gates, in the name of Jesus. Everybody within the sound of my voice, I pray that the spirit of the living God would penetrate and those walls are coming down so they can receive God's love and they can love other people. They can be whole and healthy. And they can have a white as snow and white as wool heart without the pollution and corruption that comes in over and over and over again. Sir, man, boy, girl, let it go. Yield, yield, yield to the presence of God and be healed. Yield and be healed. Drop your defenses and be healed of your offenses in Jesus' name. If you're here today within the sound of my voice and you know there's been an offense that's gotten in the way and you like freedom and prayer for that, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to leave today. I don't want to leave today. I'm prepared to release it in Jesus' name. Prepared to release it in Jesus' name. Come on, good night. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. <laughs> this offense has come. This, many, many will be offended. This is most of us you can put your hand down put it on your heart Father in Jesus name I pray you heal every heart God right now right now in the name of Jesus every single heart be healthy and healed in the name of Jesus within the sound of my voice touch them Lord God and they're coming in and they're going out in the name of Jesus if you're here today and you've never received God's love yourself you're not confident that you've received the love of God you don't maybe know that you have that relationship with him you can you can in order to forgive you must first be forgiven Maybe you've never let yourself off the hook. Jesus wants to do that for you. That's why he got on the cross, is to let you off the hook. If that's you today, and you want to accept what Jesus did for you, you do it by faith, it's, it's grace. That means you can't earn it. you just you choose right now you make a choice just like we're making a choice to overcome offenses you're making a choice to receive god's love for you will you make that choice today sir man boy girl maybe you listen online you need to make that choice today i want you to raise your hand and say pray for me i don't want to leave today without receiving god's love for me come on raise good and high god god bless you yes yes thank you that's awesome did i miss anybody yes thank you thank you sir thank you thank you honey thank you all the way in the back yes sir that's awesome yes sir thank you sir Would you just put your hand on your heart? Everybody, everybody. This is the biggest decision of all. This is the biggest decision of all. Say, Jesus, come on, everybody. Jesus, come into my heart. Only you can heal it. Only you can change it. Make it new. Replace a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Make me a new person. White as snow. White as wool. In Jesus' name. My sins are removed. The scarlet. And the crimson sin was put on your cross. For me, you paid it. And I accept it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big praise. Come on. A big praise, yeah.